This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit WOGCC.com. Our God reigns, amen? Amen. Amen. Our God reigns. Thank you, Jesus, for everything that you've done. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this service. Thank you for all these people who have come. Lord, to hear your truth and to hear your word, I pray that our hearts are just so alive and ready and prepared to receive your truth and to just do something with it and to let our light so shine forth, God, in the darkness because you are that light, Jesus, and you live in us. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And the church said amen. 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 If you're taking notes, I want you to write this title down, Unleashing the Light. You can also follow along on version if you would like to. Um, just go to that um, live section of the Uversion app. I, uh, somebody told me a statistic in the hall. They caught me and they said, Hey, Pastor Derek, did you know that um, Uversion is, uh, now has more downloads in the app store than Facebook? And I thought, that's pretty cool um, that uh, the Bible has been downloaded more times than Facebook. So I thought, that's a pretty cool thing. So if you're not utilizing that... Check it out sometime, um, that version app, and just search for live, and there should be an event, and you can follow along with the notes as well. I want to start off by reading in Romans chapter 8 and verse 15, but I want to do so from the New Living Translation because I really like the way that it's worded. Normally when I teach, I use the New King James Version, um, but I really like this way the New Living uh, says this, Romans 8 and 15. It says this, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead... You receive God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. Now last week I shared this scripture and I talked about how we needed to have confidence in God and not in ourselves and find that source of confidence. And I use that scripture in that context. And that scripture has just been standing out to me all week long because I think that a lot of people maybe who have been adopted or who may understand some things about adoption a lot of times we'll have a tendency to look at things in a negative light and say, you know what, if I was adopted, that means someone didn't want me. That means I was abandoned. That means that I was neglected to some extent. No one wanted me. Well, let me tell you, if you were adopted, the very opposite is true. Somebody wanted you enough to go through a lot of trouble to pick you. That's what it means to be adopted because I don't know if you have ever tried to adopt anyone before, but I have friends who have adopted children and they have described to me how difficult that process is. It's not something you go, oh, I think I'll just go out and pick somebody. That's not how it works. It's a very lengthy, very, uh, very detailed process, very expensive process. And so because of that, you've got to understand You were adopted. You don't receive this spirit anymore where we're fearful slaves. You've received this spirit of adoption from God to whom now through Jesus Christ we call him Abba Father or Daddy God because he has chosen us. He has picked us. He has selected us and said, I want you. So I want you to choose me because I've already chosen you by sending my son to die for the world. I don't know if that makes you excited or makes you feel very special or not, but it makes me feel pretty darn special. (laughs) And let me tell you something. It makes me feel like I'm wanted. I'm accepted as a child of God. He picked me. He wanted me. We've not received this spirit where we're fearful slaves. You see, everyone, everyone who is in Christ is no longer in the darkness. They're no longer abandoned. Maybe at one time, yeah, we were abandoned. At one time, we were in darkness At one time before our lives were one with Christ, we were alone because of our sin. 
Sin isolates us. That's what it always does. And so because of sin, that isolation, I'm alone in the darkness. But when I am new in Christ and I have a relationship with Christ and He has saved me and redeemed me and made me right once again again with God, He has destroyed the darkness and now I'm in the light because He is the light. Jesus is the light that shines in the darkness. Now, that darkness that was caused by sin was vanquished with the light of Christ. And His light... His life came and made us brand new. But now, that light in you can shine in a world that's full of darkness to be able to give hope to those who are in the darkness. A kind of hope that would say, you don't have to live in the darkness anymore. Amen, somebody. You don't have to live in the darkness anymore. I want to read from the book of Romans chapter 8. And let's just uh, go back to that first verse there. Romans 8 and 1. The Bible says this. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Somebody say no condemnation. condemnation. You guys did great. I'm not even going to make you say it again. Unless you just want to. So, Amen. That's what I'm talking about. Woo! No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. We know sin always leads to death, but the life of Christ has freed us from that power of sin that leads to death. Now, verse 3 says this, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving His Son as a sacrifice for our sins. And He did so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please God. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit of God control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile towards God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. Verse 9, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those that do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by what it dictates, you will die. But if, you, but if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So, if you have, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba Father. You see, we read here in the Scripture how we were not only brought to the light but how that the darkness that once controlled us, that once ruled our lives, is 
gone. It is defeated once and for all. When Jesus said it is finished, he means right then, right there, it is finished. It's not going to be finished. It is finished already. He already defeated the power of sin. He already defeated the darkness and the light has come. Now it's up to you and I to receive that light so the darkness can be defeated in our lives. Because before Christ, we're controlled by the darkness. We're doing whatever our sinful nature wants us to do because we're controlled by that sinful nature. But when we have Christ, those chains have been broken. When he said, he who the Son has set free is free indeed, he really meant it. Amen? He didn't mean, oh boy, there they are goofing up again. I guess I'm going to have to go live my life all over again and die on a cross because they're messing up all over again. No, he doesn't go back to the cross every single time and get crucified because of something that you did or something that you said or a failure or a mistake that you made. When he said it is finished, he means it is finished. When he said forgiven, he meant forgiven. When he said free, he meant free. When he said saved, he meant saved. Amen? That's what he meant when he said that. The problem is, is that a lot of us don't understand how free we really are as Christians. Because you may say, yeah, pastor, that sounds all great that we're living free, but I don't feel very free. It's great that you say, oh, pastor, I hear you talking all these, about all these nice things about Jesus is the light and that he's destroyed the darkness, but I feel very much in darkness. There's a lot of darkness going on in my home, at my job, in my life, in my marriage, in my finances, with my children. There's a lot of darkness that I see. So how can that become real to me? Here's the thing. It's, it's almost like as if before Christ, you and I were in this big prison cell. We looked like a prisoner. We smelled like a prisoner. We dressed like a prisoner because we were in prison. But when Christ came and made all things new, he blew the door off of that prison cell and made us free. But oftentimes, even though we've been made free, we still sit in the prison cell wearing our same clothes, smelling like we always did, sitting there not realizing that Christ has made us free. We're not living the life that Christ wanted us to live. We're not walking in the freedom Christ paid for us to walk in because we're identifying with who we used to be, not who Christ made us. You see, in us, there is no good thing. In Christ, He's perfect. In Him dwells all good things, but now He dwells in me. You see, and when He dwells in me, the Bible says right there that He's going to make alive this, 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 this body. He's going to make this life different. He's going to make this life free and not controlled by what it used to be controlled by. So in other words, this life is supposed to be different. So stop sitting in the jail cell of your past wearing your old stanky prison garments because He's already made you free. You just have to get up and realize that you are free. You see, so, so many times we get this jail cell mentality where we've been sitting in the jail cell for so long that we don't see anything but the jail cell. We don't see outside of our restrictions that we have put on ourselves or that others have put on us that we have bought into. Oh, you'll never do that. Oh, you're always going to be a failure. Oh, you can't do anything right. Oh, you're so stupid. Oh, I can't believe you would even try to do something like that. And so because of that, we're still sitting in the jail cell even though Christ has made us free. We sit in the jail cell of, oh, I guess that grandpa struggled with alcohol, so my dad, he was an alcoholic, so I guess it's just coming down the line. I guess I'm just going to have to deal with it too. I guess I'm going to have to struggle. And, I, and we just accept, well, you know, grandma and grandpa never had anything. Mom and dad never had anything. We're, we've always been poor, always going to be poor. We're just always going to be broke and never have anything. And I guess that's just our lot in life. And so we never strive. We never try because we make excuses because others have put limitations on us or told us what we can and cannot do. 
And we see ourselves that way. And so when we look in the mirror, we hold up that mirror, we see somebody that's still in a jail cell, even though there is no door there, because the Bible says that Christ has made us free. He's not going to. He already has. So something has to change, and that's my perception and the way that I see myself. Do I see myself like Christ sees me, or am I identifying with who I used to be before Christ? I want you to understand that Christ defeated the darkness in me. He defeated that darkness in me, and he defeated that darkness in you. Now, for the light of Christ that brings hope to the world to be unleashed in us, we need to realize that we are free right now from the grip of sin. Just read it in Romans 8. Don't argue with me. Argue with God. Because he said it. He said that if we belong to Christ, sin's power has been broken. It has been defeated. You are as free and forgiven as you're ever going to be. But freedom comes to reality when I allow God's word to reshape the way I see myself and the way I view what Jesus did for me on the cross. When I begin to allow him to change the way I see it, the way that my mind is renewed, my mind is changed, my mind grows and begins to understand the things that God actually did for me, it becomes alive to me and I can actually walk in it. But until I see myself that way, I'm not going to walk in it. I'm always waiting on somebody else to fix me. I'm always waiting on somebody else to do everything for me. Well, you know, if, if, if I wasn't married to this person, you know, I could do this, this, and this, and this, and I'd be happy. You know, if I, if I didn't have this job, I could do this, this, and this. It's always everybody else's fault while everything is going the way that it's going in our lives. The things we can do, things we can't do. You know, if I was just a better Christian, if I was just a better person, you know, if I was a nicer person, you know, because we got this idea that Christianity is like Mr. Rogersville where we always, you know, take off our shoes and put on our cardigans and things like that. And that's what being a Christian is supposed to be, right? It's supposed to be, you know, just a nice, happy person and a good person, right? And we have this idea that that's how things are supposed to be. And if I'm not that, I'm somehow a failure and I'm somehow not doing something correctly. And we've got all these wrong ideas about how the way things should be and we limit ourselves and we're actually limiting God in our lives because he's already done it and he wants us to realize what he's done he wants us to get it he wants us to understand Christ defeated the darkness in me and that should be so freeing right there to a lot of us but so many times that's not enough because we don't believe it when we hear it we hear these things and we go I don't know not sure about that because the struggles I have are pretty deep. I don't know if I'm free or not. Well, you have to understand that he's already bought and paid for your freedom. It's up to us to allow the influence of his word and his truth to help us to change the way we see ourselves and the way that we think. Because here's the deal. If you renew your mind to the word of God and you begin to see yourself like Christ sees you and you understand you're worth something, you understand that you're valuable, you're going to disconnect yourself from a lot of things because people who have a sense of self-worth don't act a certain way. I begin to feel like I am wanted. I was chosen. I'm loved. I'm forgiven. I'm free. All of a sudden it changes your outlook on yourself. When you look in the mirror, you don't see just all of this shame and all this condemnation. You begin to see someone who is loved. Someone who is desired, someone who is wanted, someone who is chosen. And that helps to defeat that darkness that Christ has already defeated in us. But we've got to see that he's defeated it and we've got to get it. Because here's the thing, in Romans chapter 8 and um, verse 6, the Bible says this. So so letting your sinful nature control your mind is going to lead to death. So if you let who you were, that old mindset, control your life, it's going to lead to death. But letting the Spirit of God control your mind 
leads to life and peace. Letting him have influence in your life and influence in your mind. The King James Version says it on this, uh, says it like this, um, having your mind set on the things of God, having your mind set on it. So let me ask you this morning, what is your mind set on? What is your mind set on? How do you see yourself? How do you see what Christ has done? How do you view that? Because a lot of times we have a hard time receiving that because we don't believe it because we're too busy identifying with that prisoner. Now, I'm not saying that we're perfect because we're not. The only thing perfect in my life is Jesus Christ. Amen? The only thing perfect in your life is Jesus Christ. And here's the thing you and I need to understand, we need to get. My thoughts are flawed. My thoughts are flawed. My sense of morality is flawed. My sense of what is just and what justice is, is flawed. Matter of fact, you can look at anybody's life and see that most of the time we're going to play to our own desires and our own agendas by pushing our agenda in other people's lives to try to get them to get on our side. Because we want to justify our thoughts and our actions and our feelings. And because of that, I want you to get on my side. I want you to think my way because my way is right. And when I exalt my way above God's way, then I get my results. You want your results, then God will let you have them. You want to do things your way instead of His. You see, all of this is flawed. My thoughts, my rationale, my reasoning. Human reasoning is flawed because it's selfish. Human justice is flawed because it's selfish. You'll find yourself as a human caring about things you never knew you were supposed to care about until someone told you to care about those things. Oh, thank you for thinking for me. I guess I'm supposed to think this way and feel this way about this because we're all angry about this or we're all very passionate about this. I didn't even know about all of the different animals that were being abused and neglected until Sarah McLaughlin sung a song and told me about it. <laughs> and now all of a sudden I'm aware. Do you remember me? Yes, I do. Oh, that's so sad. I'm angry now. I'm upset. Right? Because you told me to be upset about this and you showed me all of this stuff that made me upset. You're stirring my emotions. You're trying to get me to buy into your agenda and get on your side. And that's what humans do. You'll be mad at somebody you ain't even ever met before. I don't know them, but buddy, let me tell you, if I meet them in a dark alley, they're going to get what's coming to them because I can't stand them. And you don't even know who they are. You could be standing behind them in line at Walmart and you would never even know. But because somebody else has told you about them, all of a sudden you're all mad and upset at them. Right? Happens all the time. I can't believe that person would do this. Oh my goodness. So my thoughts are flawed. My reasoning is flawed. My sense of justice is flawed. The only perfect thing in my life is Jesus. And so because God's ways are perfect then it's more important then for me to base my life and for me to align my life and my thoughts with what God thinks, not what I think, right? Because my thoughts are flawed. The only way my thoughts are not going to be flawed is if I align myself to think like God thinks because He thinks perfect. God speaks perfect. God does everything in perfection. The only way that I can know how God thinks about something is to spend time in His Word. And to spend time in prayer, spend time getting to know Him. You know that God wants you to know Him personally? You know you don't need a pastor to know God? Well, what am I here for then? (laughs) 
I'm here to help you to understand the Word of God so you can grow in your walk with the Lord on your own. So you can learn how to stand in faith and lead your home and be encouraged and be around brothers and sisters in Christ that will help to sharpen you and to help to lift you up and be there for you. That's why we come here and do this. Not so I can hear from God for you because that's not the way it works. You can hear from God for yourself. Amen? Amen. You can. You can pray and you can talk to God. You don't need me to talk to God for you. That's not the way that this works. It's not like I'm the favorite son of God because I'm a pastor and you have to come to me to talk to him. No. You are a son. You are a daughter of God. Do you understand that? You get that? And you can talk to God on your own because he loves you. He wants you to talk to him. He wants you to get to know him. That's what he wants. So you need to have confidence in that walk, in that relationship. And so because of that, the more time you spend with him, just like when you spend time with anybody, they're going to rub off on you, right? How many of you guys want God's personality to rub off on you? I know I do. <laughs> Help me to think like you think, God. Help me to value what you value. And here's one you may have never thought of before. Help me to feel what you feel. You ever thought about God feeling? A lot of us are like, God has feelings? We just look at this as, God is the omnipotent. Don't look at the man behind the curtain, God. That's how we look at God. That's not at all what my Bible tells me that God is like. That's not what an Abba father, a daddy God is like. He welcomes us into his presence. He welcomes us into conversation with him. Oh, I'm running to your arms. We sing songs like that because we mean it. We get what that means. Not like, oh, I'm afraid to talk to you, God, because thunder and lightning might rain down because I know what I did last night. No, he loves us right where we are. And he wants us to think the way he thinks. He wants us to align our morals and our sense of justice with his morals and his sense of justice. But he also wants us to feel about things the way he feels about things. A lot of times we've never thought about God feeling something. You know that God does feel things. The Bible says he created us in his image and in his likeness. And so us being created in the image of God, we can see all throughout scriptures how things that would please the Lord, that would make him feel happy, things that would make him feel angry. We saw in Jesus how he even wept at the sight of the city of Jerusalem, looking at them as a bunch of sheep that didn't have a shepherd. And we see the next Scripture says Jesus wept because of that. He was grieved. His heart was heavy. He was saddened in that moment. He felt. God feels. And God wants you to feel the things that he feels. I remember I would pray like this at times, and I would say, God, help me to know you more so I can feel about things the way you feel. What breaks your heart? Let it break my heart. The things that move you to compassion, help those things move my heart to compassion. The things that bring you joy, let those things be the things that bring me joy. Because I want to align myself with you because you're perfect. Amen? That's what Romans 12, 1 and 2 is talking about. Where he's talking about being renewed in our minds. The Bible says that we're to no longer to be conformed to the pattern of this world. But to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And when we do that, the Bible says there later on in that verse that we will prove what is the acceptable and perfect will of God. When, when will that happen? That will happen when you're transformed by changing the way you think, by changing your perspective, 
by stop seeing yourself as that person that's sitting in the jail cell that's just an old lowly person that's not free, that's still in chains when Jesus has made you free. Here's the thing, folks. When I renew my mind to think in line with what God thinks and values, then I don't just begin to think like He thinks. I begin to feel the way He feels. And not just feel and think things because I was raised to think those things or because I was raised to feel this way about this certain thing, but because it's what God values. Because what God values is the most important thing. Amen? Not just because I saw it on television, not just because I heard somebody say it one time, but because that's what God says is important and that's what God says to value. Amen? And when I align myself like that, then I'm aligning myself with the one who is perfect. Aligning myself with the perfection of Christ. And renewing our minds helps us to live out what Jesus bought and paid for through his death and life. It's not about us being perfect, but it is about us allowing his perfection to reshape our lives from the inside out. I'm going to say that slow so I can say that some more. (laughs) It's not about being perfect, but it is about allowing his perfection to reshape my life. From the inside out. And because of that, I want this to absolutely just set you free. I want this next statement to set you free. You are free to let the light of Christ shine through you. You are free to let the light of Christ shine through you. Everybody is so worried about being like someone else or being at a certain level before they can let the light of Christ shine through. And so when we do that, we live very ineffective lives for Christ because we constantly feel like we're worthless or like we're a terrible Christian. Or we limit ourselves with what we can accomplish for God. And so we hold ourselves back by not seeing ourselves like Christ sees us. And the longer we hold ourselves back, the longer we're restricting the light of Christ from shining through and affecting change in our world. Because we're holding it back because we don't feel like we're good enough. We don't feel like we really have anything to offer. We don't feel like there's anything really important or significant about us because, you know, look at what I deal with. Look at the darkness in my life. Look at all this darkness. And we begin to see ourselves that way. And so we don't see ourselves free. So we don't see ourselves as having anything worth showing to anyone else. And we feel like, man, if only I could be like this Christian or this person or that person, then maybe then God would use me. Yeah, the enemy wants you to be trapped thinking you've got to be like somebody else before you're worthy enough to show your light. He wants you to feel like, oh, you have to have this many scriptures memorized and be able to quote them in the King James Version because that's the one that Jesus used. <laughs> right? Even though it was written in 1611. We think that Jesus spoke the king's English and so because of that, you know, we think we have to say it just right. We have to hold our mouth just right. We have to be just right before we can ever do anything significant for God. Or we think we have to have this big story and all this stuff that God has brought us through for us to be able to do anything significant for God. And we feel like our lives are just too kind of ordinary or, 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 or plain or maybe there's nothing really that feels very special and maybe I don't have as great of a story as this person or that person. So that because of that, we just keep our light hidden And we don't let it shine because we don't feel like we're good enough to let our life shine. When you understand that you're free in Christ and you understand who you are in Christ, you understand that you're free to let the light of Christ shine through you. And stop buying that junk that the enemy would want to force feed you, that you buy into and you believe that you're not good enough to share the light of Christ, to share the love of Christ, the truth of Christ. I had a girl in my youth group one time. Her name was Mandy. 
when I was a youth pastor in Oklahoma. She was this just all-American girl. She was the captain of the softball team, and they were the state champs, and she was very well respected in the community, very well respected by all of her teammates, raised in a good godly home. This girl was just the, the best girl. I was so proud of her. She was such a leader, such a, just a take charge kind of girl, but she was so just ethically pure and had the purest heart and, and, and just loved God, and she was a leader in my youth group, and I depended on her for so much because she could take so much on, such a leader. I thought Mandy was amazing. And we took this group to go to a mission trip in Houston. And there we were ministering to kids who maybe weren't like Mandy, who didn't have all of the good raising that Mandy had. And a lot of these kids that we were ministering to, matter of fact, all these kids we were ministering to were homeless. They were runaways or they had turned to prostitution at 13, 14 years old to be able to support themselves and live out on their own and then they had children as a result of their prostitution and so because of that the, the, these babies were abandoned or neglected and so we were down there trying to find uh, good homes for these babies as well as babysit these kids and then we were also trying to minister to these teenagers as well and there was one night where we all gathered together in this room and there were probably about 15-20 of these homeless teenagers there that were either addicted to drugs selling themselves or whatever the case may be just rough kids that their life was so stark contrast to what Mandy had been brought up in. And here we are supposed to minister to these kids that night. And Mandy told me, she said, Pastor Derek, I really want to share something with the group, but I don't really have anything to share because I haven't been through anything that would be able to connect or relate with where these kids have been. And in, in, in contrast to where they've been, you know, she's looking at her life has been more of a perfect life raised in church her whole life. She was just such an ethically, morally pure girl, pure heart. I don't feel like I can connect. I don't feel like I have anything to give them. I grabbed her by the shoulders and I said, Mandy, I said, you have so much to give them. I said, you can give them the hope of what has been done in your life and how God has done amazing things through your family because somewhere along the line somebody had to make a decision at some point in your family's heritage that they were going to live for Christ and because of that whatever curse of sin that had been repeating in your family or whatever thing whatever hang ups whatever issues it was gone and broken because when you came on the scene you didn't have to deal with all that and you didn't have to go through all of that so you've got an awesome story and she looked at me and she said wow that, that, that's true, that's right. And so she gets up in front of this group of teenagers whom she can really not relate with on that level of so far as identifying with their struggles. But she got up there and told them her story and told them how God had saved her and how God had protected her and how God had just allowed her to be raised in such a healthy family. And these kids were crying. These kids were broken over that fact because they had never seen that. They had never heard of that. They had an idea of what it may look like, but here they are seeing someone and, and, and they're hearing her story. And kids got saved. These kids from the street got saved as a result of Mandy sharing her story with them. So don't ever sell yourself short thinking, oh, I don't have a great story. I haven't really been through a whole lot. My life is kind of ordinary. My marriage is kind of ordinary, I guess. And my, 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 how I came to Christ is kind of ordinary. You know, I didn't have one of these experiences like some people say. Like you get these stories like this. It, it was raining on a cold, dark night. 
My wife had just left me and the bank had just foreclosed on my home and I was going to walk down the road in the rain and I was going to end it all. And then all of a sudden a light shone through the heavens and it just illuminated right where I was standing and I began to levitate off of the ground and I heard God speak, I have chosen you. Wow, that guy saved. That guy got saved. That's a cool story. But me, I was sitting in Sunday school when I was six, and I asked Jesus into my heart, and that's not really that impressive. <laughs> and so we feel like we don't have anything worth sharing. We feel like we don't have anything to share, just like Mandy. She thought she didn't have anything to share that could really make an impact. I have to have this great story. I have to have this great past. I have to have this, all these things. Maybe we need to go out and do a little bit of sinning so we can get a really good story to tell. No. No, no, no. Anybody who's been through that would tell you, you don't want to be where I've been. So listen, it doesn't matter if you were raised in church your whole life. It doesn't matter if you just got saved yesterday and delivered from a life of all kinds of sin and addiction. The point is, is that you're all worth the same in the eyes of Christ. You're all valued the same in the eyes of Christ. And because you're valued, that gives you a story to share. Because there's a world that's full of darkness that doesn't feel valued, that doesn't feel any hope, that doesn't see that there is a light shining in the darkness because all they see is darkness all around them. But you and I are free. And the reason that we're made free is not just so we can experience freedom on a personal level, but so we can let that light shine and others can experience freedom as a result of us understanding who we are in Christ. Amen? But they're never going to experience that until we realize we're free. Until we realize we have something to offer. Until we realize that we have something that is valuable. Until we realize that we've got something that we want to share. You know, if I were to go in your home and you had just met Aaron Rodgers and you had taken a picture with him and you had gotten him to sign a football, that'd be the first thing you'd show me when I walked in your house because it's valuable to you. You would say, oh, you've got to see this. You've got to see this. You won't believe what happened to me yesterday. I met Aaron Rodgers. Check this out. I got my picture taken with him. Check this out. He signed a football. Isn't this awesome? Wow, that's great. That's great. Because you're excited about it. Because you understood how great and important and significant that may have been to you if you're a Packers fan. But let me tell you something. How much more should you and I feel compelled to share what Christ has done in our lives? The difference is, is that oftentimes we don't really understand what Christ has done in our lives. And so therefore we don't feel that passion, that compelling to be able to share that story. And we feel like we don't really have anything to say or anything to offer. Not everybody's going to get up on a stage and share, but maybe you will share your story or offer hope or share love with somebody sitting across from the break room table one day at lunch, right? Or maybe you can just be there for somebody. Sometimes some of the most powerful acts of love are not even things we say. They're just things that we do, letting people know that we care. That's still letting them know you have something to share, something to say, something to give. It's not always about just being a good, eloquent speaker who's memorized all these scriptures and who can quote all these scriptures in Latin and Pig Latin and Greek and all these other different languages. Because here's the thing. I would rather have a church full of people who lived more scriptures than they could quote. Amen, somebody. You're not going to impress me by quoting the scriptures. Are you living it? Are you living it? Is it real to you? Or is it just something you got up here and you know? Or do you know it so well that it's influenced your heart and your actions and your attitudes and your thoughts and the way that you, you, you think and process things and now I'm trying to align myself with God's thinking because I know His ways are perfect and I want to align myself with Him because I'm free to do that. 
I'm free to do that now because sin doesn't have any power over me. I am free in Christ. Amen, somebody? Amen. You see, here's the deal. Living the truth will unleash the light. Living the truth will unleash the light. It will unleash the light in us. Living that truth. John 8 and 32, Jesus is talking to a group of Jews. And he looks at them and he says, If you abide in my word, he said, you'll be my disciples indeed. Then you'll know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And then Jesus goes on in verse 36 to say, He who the Son has set free is free indeed. So you need to understand, you're adopted. You're free. You're chosen. You're no longer a slave. You're no longer condemned to darkness. You are free. And understanding that freedom will help you walk in that freedom and to share that freedom with others. The enemy will try to use others' judgmental words, others' judgmental looks, or judgmental thoughts to keep you locked up. But he who the Son sets free is free indeed, right? He who the Son set free is free indeed. A lot of times others' words, actions, or judgments may want to try to limit you. You know, sometimes when you get those dirty looks from people, and you know they're judging you by their looks, did you see what she wore to church today? <laughs> did you see what he... Oh, my goodness. Did you, did you hear what he said? In, oh, my goodness. Let me tell you right now. <laughs> and you can feel that from people. You can feel the ugliness from people and the judgment from people. You can feel that. And it hurts. But the enemy wants to take that a step further and use it to limit you from moving forward with God. The enemy wants to use that and magnify that. Oh, man, you know everybody's talking about you. Everybody knows your business. Everybody knows what's going on with you. You know what they think about you? You know what they say about you? And then you think, I guess I really don't have anything to share. I guess I can't really do anything for God. And then we just slowly and quietly back up into the prison cell. And we sit there. The door's still off, but we just go sit back down right where we were. Even though Christ has made us free. Why are you going back to the prison cell over and over again because of what people say? Why are you going back to the prison cell over and over again because of others' judgmental thoughts or words? Why are you going back to the prison cell because of your failures and your mistakes that you've made? You don't belong there. You're not a prisoner anymore. You are a son. You are a daughter of God. You've been adopted. You don't belong to the kingdom of darkness anymore. You did it one time. You belonged in that jail cell at one time. That's where you needed to be. But because of Christ, when you came to him, he busted the door off of that thing and you're free. So you need to start seeing yourself that way and acting like that and believing that you're free and that sin does not control you. Others' words do not control you. Offense does not control you. Amen, somebody? Baggage from your past does not control you. It does not dictate how far you can go in life and how free and happy and joyful you can be and how bright your light can shine. It does not dictate that at all because we are all free in Christ. The grace and forgiveness of God gives me the confidence to be unleashed. You need to stop waiting for opportunity to come to you and you need to start looking for opportunities to let the light of Jesus shine through you and you need to stop making excuses and you need to start somewhere. We've got to stop making excuses for why we can't move forward with God. Stop making excuses for why I can't get out of this mess. Stop making excuses and waiting for someone else to do it for me. 
Stop making excuses. Oh, only if this person would do this. Only if this person would do that. Oh, if only they would say, I'm sorry first, then only then I could say, I'm sorry. Really? Is that how it works? That's not what my Bible tells me. But yet we walk around with all this junk, identifying with our past and our wounds and our pain, and it keeps us bound, and it keeps our light dimmer and dimmer and dimmer, and there's darkness everywhere, and people need to see that light, but until we understand we're free, we're not really letting that light shine. Jesus is the light that shines in the darkness. He's the light of the world. He's the hope of the world, and he lives in you. Amen, somebody? Amen. And Wisconsin is waiting for the people of God and for the people of Word of Grace to see themselves like Jesus Christ sees them. To be unleashed, to serve the world, and to live the truth like Jesus. Because they understand, they get it. They get it. I'm not perfect, but I get it. I understand it. I get it. It clicks. Something's clicking with me. I get it. It makes sense to me now. I'm free. I'm supposed to be letting my light shine. And as you do, you're going to find yourself more and more free. And stuff's just going to start falling off of you that you didn't even realize you was dealing with. Oh, yeah, I remember. I used to deal with that. I forgot about that, actually. Because I'm so enamored with God, and I'm so moving forward with Him, and I'm moving forward in grace and love and mercy and growing in my understanding of who He is and who I am because of what He did, that now I'm experiencing that freedom. I'm not just hearing sermons about it and getting excited about it, waiting for it to happen one day. Because it's already happened. He's already set you free. It's just up to us to live in it. And I believe that Wisconsin is waiting for the people of Word of Grace to see themselves like Jesus Christ sees them. I believe Word of Grace is here for a great purpose. Not just because somebody was bored one day and said, Hey, you want to start a church? Sure, I don't know. Well, let's call it Word of Grace. Let's make a leaf or a logo. Sounds good to me. I don't know. Let's put a leaf on there and have church and let's sing some songs. <laughs> sounds good to me. Let's do a 180 thing. Oh, sounds good to me. Okay, it sounds good. You guys want to do it? Sure. That's not how this thing happened. We're called by God. He's put it in people's hearts that have taken us to this point where we're at, being led and directed by the Holy Spirit to be where we're at. And it, there's a purpose for it. Amen? Amen? There's a purpose for this church, and you're in this church. You have a purpose as an individual and as a part of this church. And I believe that we are to be that light that's going to shine forth in the darkness in our area, that's going to show them that Jesus reigns, that show them our God does reign. And we can live that out, and they can see that through our love. They can see that through us living out the truth, not that we're being perfect, but that we're living out the truth. Amen? Amen. And there's some ways we're going to do that. And I want to talk to you about a couple of those ways. We're going to launch a ministry called Servolution. And this ministry is going to reach out to our surrounding communities in various ways and share the light of Christ through different service projects, different things we're going to do. Servolution is going to be directly connected with our outreach center and other things that we're going to do within our community. And we also um, have had this amazing opportunity that has come our way. Pastor Mike and myself and another member of our church went to Madison this past week and met with the chaplain uh, for the military for the state of Wisconsin. And in our meeting with him, what we discovered was that there was a way for us to partner with the military to now, before there is a group of soldiers that's going to be deployed, they have a meeting with them and their families before they're deployed and explain to them kind of some things that are going to go on. Well, in that meeting now, 
they're going to tell them there's a church in your area called Word of Grace. And what they do is they have this ministry called Servolution. And if you need help with your lawn being mowed, if you need help with your car being clean, or you need help with groceries or whatever the case may be, Word of Grace is going to be there to help you while your husband or your wife or whomever is gone during their deployment. And I think that's pretty stinking cool. <laughs> The military is actually going to tell their soldiers and their families about our church because we're on a list now. We're one of nine churches in the state of Wisconsin that is on this list. And because of that, they said, we want more churches and more organizations to partner with us, but we need people to be trained. We're going to be trained by the military to be able to train other churches to be able to offer that as well. So we're also spreading the light of Christ and equipping other churches to do the same. Now, it doesn't stop there because when these soldiers get back from deployment, a lot of times they've seen and done a lot of things that they have to deal with. And that's that post-traumatic stress disorder that you hear about a lot in the news. We are going to be trained and equipped to be able to uh, bring in PTS training to be able to deal with that when soldiers get back from war in our Celebrate Recovery Thursday night ministries. So not only was Word of Grace that church that helped you while you were gone, but when you came back, we were able to help you as well to deal with some of the things that you may be dealing with. And I think that that's pretty stinking cool. Now... That's exactly right. We're letting our light shine for Christ. We're letting them see that love and truth of Christ. We're letting them know, hey, we're here. Here's what we can do. This is what God's called us to do. Can we partner together? The military said yes. So we're partnered with the, with the military in the state of Wisconsin. We are directly connected with them, and we're going to be a resource for them as well. We're also uh, growing as a church. And we're in need of a lot more people to help us to step up and to get involved as we help to continue to share the Word of God to every age group. That means taking advantage of opportunities to get involved with what happens here throughout the week and on the weekend. All of our ministries here at the church are beginning to just really flow so well together. And we're beginning to get even more interconnected just as to where it's not this ministry does this and this ministry does this. No, it's, it's, it's Word of Grace. And, and, and it's all of you. It's all of us that come here and we gather together and we're just we're doing so many amazing things because of what God is leading us and opening up opportunities for us to do. And we're just taking advantage of those opportunities, trying to be step in step with what He's doing. Amen? Amen? And there are opportunities here. So I'm looking for people in the church that would say, where is there a need? Where is there a need because I'm ready to help us move forward? You can also look for opportunities in your everyday lives. Every single day, there's opportunity all around to be able to let the light shine, to unleash the light. Opportunities every single day. Ask God to help you to be more aware of those things because the more time we spend with Him and in His Word, the more we're going to begin to understand His heart. And that's what God wants us to understand is His heart. I remember one day when I was about 16 years old, I was working in a grocery store, and they asked me to be a cashier because it was just so busy that day. They needed every register manned. I'd never run a register before. I was not happy about it at all. They put me in the express lane, which is typically where they always put the new people. How many of you have had that experience? I was the pimply-faced teenager that you got mad at because you were in the express lane. That was me. So just, just, just have a little bit of grace next time because it's probably their first time. I worked in the dairy department. I unloaded the truck. That was my job, was to unload the truck. My job was to stock the dairy, make sure everything was rotated. I got there at 5 o'clock every morning. I wasn't a cashier. So this made me mad because I knew after I was done working the register, I still was going to have to go finish unloading the truck. 
I knew I was still going to have to go finish stocking the shelves and rotating all the things according to their dates. And I'm sitting there going, that's all I'm thinking about is, oh man, I'm going to have to stay even later. This is aggravating me so much. And I was mad. I was real mad that I had to be a cashier because I didn't know what I was doing. They showed me a few buttons and then they just left me. And I was, I, I don't like being not properly equipped to do something and being thrown into something. And I was not good with figuring that out at all. So every person that came through my line, buddy, let me tell you, they saw how upset I was. They got it. This teenage guy, he's mad. They felt that. But then all of a sudden, a little girl came up in my line. I'll never forget her, as long as I live. I can remember exactly what she looked like. I can even tell you exactly how she had her hair fixed and exactly what she was wearing. I remember to a T. This little girl's probably five, six, maybe seven years old. Walks up in my line, because I've got a long line. <laughs> Walks up in my line, and she has a pack of gum that she wants to buy. And apparently she has found some money in her pocket, or her mom gave her a dime or a nickel or something, or maybe she found it in the store or on the parking lot. And she thinks that this little dime she has is going to be enough to buy this package of gum. Well, the gum, package of gum is like 85 cents or something like that. She doesn't have enough money. She sets it up on the counter for me to scan it and she looks at me she has this huge smile on her face didn't say anything to me at all didn't say anything just has this huge smile and the smile is blowing my mind because I'm mad right remember and I see this little girl with this huge just cheesy grin and sets the package of gum up there and sets her dime on top of the package of gum she's just waiting so she can get her gum she's and as I look at this little girl smiling all of a sudden, my heart just begins to break because I realize that this is the love of God. This is the love of God that doesn't care how bad of a day I've had. It's willing to still smile and show me the love that I needed to see, that I needed to feel. And so without even hesitating or thinking, I reach in my wallet and I grab a dollar out and I pay for it and I get the appropriate change and I give her her change back and give her her gum. She doesn't say thank you. She doesn't even really realize what I've done. <laughs> she doesn't even really understand. But she just smiled the whole time. Smiled, grabbed the gum, turned around and walked off. And that changed the course of my day. It changed my attitude all of a sudden because now I've felt something. I've seen something that has changed the course of my day. Changed my attitude because now this love of God that was just shining up at me through this little six-year-old girl's face moved me to do something without even thinking. Immediately just giving right back because there was something in her that just woke me up, that just shook me to the core. What is wrong with you? Why are you so upset? Don't you know I love you even when you're upset? Don't you know I love you right here in the middle of your junk? Don't you know I love you when you feel like you're surrounded by darkness and things may be stressful and you may feel like you're on? Don't you know I love you? Look, look who I sent just to love on you and look what it caused you to do in return. Look what it, it caused you to give that love right back because that's what the love of God does. It gives. For God so loved the world that he gave. That's what it causes us to do. That's unleashing the light of Christ in us. That's unleashing the light that has set us free. There is a light that shines in the darkness. And his name is Jesus. 
He's the light of the world. Amen. Amen. It's the simple things that we often take for granted sometimes. Or maybe where we don't feel worthy or good enough to be able to let our light shine. We feel inadequate. Today I want to challenge you to stop feeling inadequate because of yourself and your shortcomings. See yourself like God sees you. See yourself like He sees you. And that should give you the confidence in Him to be unleashed, to let His light shine in the darkness through you. Would you bow your heads this morning? Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.